Now, I want you to, to turn to Mark 6.40, very quickly. Mark 6.40. I just want to throw in one verse here because I'm going to use it near the end of the sermon. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, this morning, dealing with miracles and also money, we're going to be covering the feeding of the 5,000. And this is the only miracle that all four gospel writers, okay, cover, all right? They cover this miracle. Some, some miracles, only three, only one, only two. But this one, the feeding of the 5,000, all five, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover this. Uh, but I chose Matthew as the text here and a little bit of Mark. And also I'm going to throw in a lot about John. John chapter 6 is mentioned as well, okay? Now, this story doesn't deal with deep theological issues or heavy doctrine or profound biblical statements. And it doesn't deal with that too much, okay? But there's a whole lot of learning to go on here. And we're going to find that out here this morning. It deals with ministry. It deals with just another, in a sense, typical day in the life of Jesus. Jesus was always about his fathers. And it's serious business. I met with the leaders here today, the, the men leaders, and I said, hey, what we're doing is serious. It's serious business going on. Heaven and hell, eternity, purpose, lay in the balance on what we do and what we don't do. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. Okay? But Jesus went about doing good. See, while this biblical account may not abound with powerful and profound theological issues, it does powerfully display the heart and the love of Jesus Christ, okay, his heart. It brings out his love that he had for, for people. It thoroughly shows Christ's concern and his care for the needs of people. God is a social God. The gospel is a social gospel. John the Baptist was a social individual, okay? We need to care about, you know, people's needs. Uh, they're hungry. How many were with us when we went to San Francisco uh, a couple of Fridays, nights ago? I mean, you know, the, the pastor there, he didn't go out with us. He spent the whole time in his brand new $300,000 donated vehicle. Those of you that were there, $300,000 truck. But he spent the whole time there mixing up the food and getting things ready to feed the people. We were out there, you know, witnessing the people. It was powerful. Powerful. By the way, they're going to come again this, this Thursday, right? Who almost forgot. Uh, Thursday at 630, they're going to meet us here and we're going to go hit the streets again with them. Wasn't that powerful that Thursday as well? They have kids. It's called Kids uh, Sunday School. And, and it's powerful when we take them out here. And the kids respond big time. That's why they want to come back with us. They said, man, the kids in Hayward responded real good. Uh, so that'll be Thursday at 6.30. Anyways, it displays Christ's concern for the people. Now, shouldn't they be fed? Uh, out in this, like I said, remote place where there was no 7-Elevens? Remember that? They, they went from a heavily populated place, Bethsaida, across to a remote place where there were no 7-Elevens. Uh, no in and outs. No drive throughs uh, Nothing. So things could get ugly. Don't you think so? How do you handle a hungry man? How do you handle 5,000 hungry men? Whoo! And let alone the women and the children. Daddy, I'm hungry. I want my maple. 
Uh, I'm giving you some dated jokes. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, it, can get, it can get ugly. It can get rough when you have all these hungry people. See, Jesus not only was concerned with their spirit and their spiritual needs, but he's concerned with our physical needs as well. Christ knew he could reach the spiritual via and through the, the, the physical and through the material and through the monetary. He knew he could reach your spiritual via the physical world. But in order to feed and supply the needs of the people, a miracle would be in order. You're going to hear that word a lot. Huh? A miracle was in order, but it was no small order. And how was this miracle to be accomplished? How was this miracle to be done? Well, first of all, we need to see that the disciples had come to the end of their human limitations. That's how miracles begin to happen. When we come to the end of ourselves, we can't do it no more. How are we going to feed them? Man, this is terrible. Uh, God will show up. Uh, when we come to the end of ourselves, remember when the, the, the uh, Israelites got to the Red Sea and here came Pharaoh and his chariots? Dun, 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 dun. I'm only 53, I can get animated. Uh, when I get 63, I'm going to get even more animated. And I hope you like it. Uh, and here comes Pharaoh in his chariot. Dun, 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 and they came to the end of themselves. What do they need? A miracle. That's what God was shot. Some of you guys are in their homes. and are, Man, you were at the end of your rope. A miracle. Call victory outreach. Uh, that's a miracle. For some people with pride. No, 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 no. I don't need victory outreach. Uh, no, you don't. You need God. Uh, but that's always a good place to start for a miracle to be in order. When you come to the end of your human limitations, at the end of ourselves. So the disciples, the disciples flat out confessed to Jesus their inability to feed the multitude. John's account reads like this in John 6. We have but two small fish and five loaves of bread, but what are they among so many? Oh, two, two little fish and five little breads, barley loaves. What are they among 5,000 men and all these women and children? Listen to this. The disciples' only answer was to send the people away. Just brush it off. Uh, we're done. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go eat ourselves. Let's go to La Piñata. Let's get on the boat and let's go. I, I know it's open. Uh, that was their only answer, to send the people away. We didn't lead them, so we don't need to feed them. They came here on their own, man. They beat us. Uh, they're not our responsibility. See, this is the path of least resistance. And many there be that travel therein. Listen to what I said. They were traveling the road of least resistance. And many there are that travel therein. We've all been there. We want to get rid of our responsibilities. Uh, I mean, I know who I'm talking to. A lot of us guys, you know, hey, hey baby, I think I love you. Uh, you have two, three babies and you're gone. I thought wrong. Stinking thinking. Uh, I'm talking about responsibility, people. I'm going to be talking today about not being a runner. Uh, wear your cleats. 
Uh, I told our guys today, if you're going to make a 180 degree turn, you're going to turn and you're going to repent. Start walking the other way. Don't just stand there. Uh, let's do some stuff. Be responsible. See, problems and difficulties have a way of making runners out of all of us. We all want to run. Uh, let's just send the people away. That was their answer. Throughout my 29 years of ministry, I've learned, listen to this, I've learned that problems are made to be solved, not evaded. Problems are made to be solved, not to be run from. Uh, sit there and figure it out. Ask God to help you. Because you can do it. It can get done. Victory Outreach was birthed because the regular avant-garde church chose to handle the salvation of the inner cities just like these disciples. Listen to me. That's how we were birthed. Nobody wanted to start too many ch churches or they, they wanted maybe, you know, maybe para-church organizations in the inner city. They didn't think this could be done. This uh, ministry is a miracle. Guys that go to Bible school and can take all this education and get their bachelor's degree and get all these degrees and they wanted to go, Let's, I want to start a church in Daniel. Ah, the tribe of Danville will do for me. Ah, I want to work my way up to Black Hawk. Ah, how about East Oakland? Ah, turn Oakland back to Oakland. Ah, really? But no, but there's no money. But there's people there. Ah, that's how we were birthed. Just send them away. They should get all the drug addicts on this planet, put them in an island and blow them up. Irresponsibilities. Just send them away. Evade the problem. Don't in invade the problem. See, this is nothing less than the word indifference. And I've said that before. Indifference could be the most tragic word in the dictionary. Indifference. When you don't care. Where care and concern and even life have decided to take a leave of absence. That's what they decided. Life and concern and compassion, forget about it. Indifferent. Eh, that's, that's their fault. They don't have nothing to eat. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no sweat off my brows. You know, it's not my fault. Also, another reason for the disciples to shrug and run from the responsibility of feeding the people was because they said there was only a little lunch available. Uh, this, this, what amongst, this amongst so many. What could a little lunch do? Was their mentality. It was their excuse. What's just a little lunch, Jesus? They were trying to get away from this thing. Why do I got a tithe? I only make, you know, $700. Oh, isn't that $70, George and Sylvia? Right? $70, right? They were the ones that were going to testify. But I'll, they'll do it next week. That's only $70. Uh, see, they were outright, you know, despising the days of small beginnings. That's what they were doing. They were anti-biblical. They were despising the days of small beginnings. They viewed that little lunch as insignificant, as meaningless, as nothing, as AI, as unimportant. When it comes time to fulfilling responsibilities that people would rather not do, 
They always seem to focus on what they don't have than what they do have. That's what they do. Because they don't want to fulfill those responsibilities. They don't want to look at oh, that's just a little lunch. Don't bring that into the equation. Can't you figure it out? We can't do it. You know, away with all that stuff. It's only a small little lunch. They seem to focus more on what they can't do than what they can do. That's a cop-out. What is my little tithe here among so many? Ah, we're going to figure it out. You're going to find out what your little tithe is at the end of the sermon. Ah. See, they look for the obstacles rather than the opportunities. That's what they do. Oh, look at these obstacles. Look at the opportunities, not the obstacles. Ah. More often than not, when a person or a people are challenged and hard-pressed in life, they are quick to look at and to concentrate on their weaknesses. And my friend, thus, they once again decide to take the easy road, the road of less resistance. You know, at the end over here in California, we have a, a place called Death Valley. Remember heard of Death Valley? When I was growing up, we used to have a commercial, I Want My Maple, you know, all this, that we, but we used to have a program called the Death Valley Days. Uh, it, was, it was a Western. Westerns were in back in those days. Everybody watched Westerns. Tran, tran, you know, stagecoach and all that. I'm getting animated again. Tran, tran. Uh, I think old teen used to sponsor them or, you know, and all that. You know. Death Valley Days. But there is a place called Death Valley. They call it Death Valley because nothing grows there. It's, it's, it's a place of nothingness. It's just sand and ugly. But years ago, they had a torrential downpour in Death Valley. About three days later, shrubbery, plants, and fragranted flowers, beautiful smelling flowers, began to grow in Death Valley, where they said nothing grows. See, the potential was there. There was something there. All it needed was a little rain. That's all it needed. Some of you say, I can't do it. Oh, God, rain on us. What is my little rain on us? You don't know what you got inside. I don't care what your age, I don't care what. You got something in there. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, it rains on you. You don't know what you got in there, man, until it rains, until you open up your heart. Then all of a sudden, wow, I didn't know I had it in me. I tithe. Yesterday. And it sure smells good in three days. Check your mail. There might be a flower in it. Ah. There was potential. There was opportunities. All it needed was an opportunity. Uh, that's all we need sometimes as well. Given and afforded an opportunity. To grow to be a blessing. Again, I wonder what could be inside of us here today. What potential is waiting for an opportunity for us, my friend, um, to do his perfect work once the rain comes? The disciples on that day here in Mark, the disciples wanted to run. Uh, they weren't realizing that Christ was testing their faith, John says in John 6. He was checking out their vision. He was testing their compassion, their concern, even their courage. There's, there's more to this miracle than just a miracle. There's more to this miracle than meets the stomach. There's more to this miracle than just, you know, feeding them. There's a lot of teaching in this miracle. 
And God was testing the people to see what kind of vision they had. I mean, this is a ministry. We, we belong to an individual, Pastor Sonny. Maybe he's someday going to go down as one of the greatest men of vision ever on this planet. Ever. Uh, that's what spurred me to go to the Philippines with three phone numbers in my pocket. Some people would call it stupidity. And they'd probably be pretty, pretty, yeah. It was. A little, you know, over there. But hey, you know, I figured, my mentality was, uh, let me be stupid for nine days. I can be stupid because I've been real smart all the other days. Uh, so I'll go be stupid for nine days because my ticket says I'm going to come back in nine days. So that ain't that stupid. I'm coming back. <laughs> uh, I got me a house. Uh, so for me to go sleep in a, anywhere, I didn't care. I thought... Then uh, the EPs came around, but good. Oh, you guys, Keith knows what an EPs is. Flying stuff, uh, and you got to sleep with them. Ay, ay, ay. But Daryl and Dan and Richard were were there for good. Uh, that's their life. Uh, but we're, we're we're birthed out of vision. Great victories always come by way of great difficulties. There's no other way. Great victories only come through tough times. We'll never know what you're made of until push comes to a shove. You can say you're bad, but until you get in the ring with Tyson, we'll find out. Oh. You see that commercial when they get in the uh, ring with Hollifield and his head comes off? I can go around with Hollifield. Uh, oh, yeah. Great difficulties. Great victories always come through great difficulties. So when dealing with the disciples... Dealing with their defeatist attitude, their negativism, their pessimism, Jesus has the disciples bring what they had to him. That's what he does. He says, ah, these people. He says, bring what you got to me. That's what he does. Because he's dealing with a negative attitude. A lot of times we're like, I can't die. But hey, I'm not knocking it because everybody said that. If you didn't say that, wow, then you got the gift of giving. And a lot, some people just go through it like nothing. But most of us, being realistic, when it comes to money, we, we all, that's, that's the first thing I said. My very first service I went to with Pastor Sunny's church, I was sitting there and I was digging it. I said, man, hey, church is okay. I thought church was, you know, like I always said, hey, ain't no square. I run with the, I run with the fellas. But then I went to church and it was church. But then I saw guys that, you know, they still walked a little bit like this. Even the pastor walked like that. I was telling my wife, Sonny still walks like that sometimes. He's still, here's me, Pastor Sonny, he's still. Ay, ay, ay. But I was real bad then. Now, I, you know, I don't, I'll walk like this, I don't care. <laughs> but I don't. Uh, <laughs> but I was digging it. I was like, ooh, yeesh, man. You know, love lifted me. I was, love, I was like, me, I know, you know. When I, well, I was like, you know, I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. This could be okay. And then they went to pick up the other. I said, I knew it. I knew it. And the guy had a suit that to me could have looked like the men's warehouse. Any suit would look like the men's warehouse to me back in those days. Uh, and I was, oh, where did you get that suit, man? Uh, 
all the skepticism, all that stuff going through our, our minds uh, that we got to deal with. So what does Jesus do? He says, bring the stuff to me. See, Jesus has a way of converting and changing what we think may be small, what we think might be insignificant and trivial. He has a way of changing it into something of value and of something important. So listen to me. I'm, I'm, bringing this, I'm turning this, this, this ship here this morning. He has a way of turning what's insignificant into things of importance. Jesus says, he said that the two small mites of the widow woman had more emphasis and value on his kingdom than all the rich people that had given on that day. He says that in the book of Luke. He also said that the prayer of a common publican had more power than any Pharisee. He also said a cup of cold water that was given in the right spirit would have a greater reward than anything else. A little cup of water, two little mites, half a penny. A prayer of a publican who never had his degree. He wasn't a Pharisee. But I said, like I said before, the Pharisees couldn't see fair. He says, that has more power than anything else. May we never minimize what God is able to do, even with just a little that is given and placed in his hands. Don't ever minimize the little bit that you would give to him. See, and please get this. Listen to this. Five loaves and two small fish in the hands of a lad can feed a lad. But five fish and two small, uh, five loaves and two small fish in the hands of God can feed a multitude. Oh, I got to say that again. Five pieces of bread and two small fish in the hands of a lad can feed a lad. But five loaves and two small fish in the hands of God can feed thousands. Which hand would you rather have it in? Multitudes. The disciples had forgotten they were in the presence of the Lord of the harvest, like Aniva was talking about today. They were in the presence of the Lord of the harvest. He can multiply. He can do all kinds of stuff with our little small stuff. See, it's really not a question of how much we have, but rather how much we have consecrated and devoted and given over to God. Whatever gift or gifts you might have, it matters little. Uh, its size, it matters little, its amount. The key is the size and the amount that is devoted and consecrated and dedicated to God. That's the key. What you've given over to him as, as consecrated to him, given over to him, dedicated to him. Your gift may be small, but in the hands of God, it could wind up blessing a whole nation or a continent. Who knows how far our gifts planted in Asia may go and accomplish someday. Uh, you've been able to see some of the people that come from, from, from the Philippines that come here. But who knows? Despise not the days of small beginnings. Someday God's going to raise up mighty churches there. Victory outreach, powerful churches of thousands, tens of thousands. And it all began with three little phone numbers that we didn't have. Uh, despise not the days of small beginnings. We need to understand that. We serve a big, big God. Uh, now let's get to the nitty gritty and the bottom line and the brass tacks of this miracle. Because this miracle... It brings with it quite a heavy economic teaching to it. Okay, and we're dealing with money here today. We're going we're to deal with money. Miracles and money. And if we get here what Jesus is telling us, it could very well teach us and help us meet our weekly and monthly budgets. Personally. Personally. Wouldn't that be great also corporately as a church? If, if we get what we're going to do, what I'm going to teach you here this morning, 
It could help meet our monthly budget in the church and your budget as well. See, the method that Jesus used to deal with the problem, even before the miracle, was first of all, he had the people sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. God is a God of order. Sit downs in fifties and in hundreds. And if you want to see a miracle, and if you want God to move in your life, we're going to have to learn to take orders. He says, make the people sit down. What God wants for us is a lot better than what we want for ourselves. Okay, and if you want a miracle in your life, if you want to be budgeted, if you want God to bless you, you've got to take orders. You've got to take orders. Orders from headquarters. There is no small order. It might seem small to you. Why should I go to the street meeting? Why should, you know, it might seem small to you. But to God it's not. Even in street meetings, let me just tell you that. You might be able to witness to somebody. He might end up being the next Billy Graham. You never know. Especially from a place like this. This area's been getting a lot of prayer finally. The Bay Area. I believe God's going to be raising up some powerful people, powerful Christians out of the Bay Area. Uh, and it might be that you might have been able to witness to them. Lead them to the Lord. Even the smallest order can turn out to be and have the largest impact. You know, back in our history in Victory Outreach, we were meeting in a garage. We went from a half a car garage to a house. And then we got kicked out of the second car garage because the Mormons, I mean, who was it, the Jehovah's. They came across the street. Now, witness to the Jehovah's. You know, I'm, I'm going to witness to them. I, I witnessed to their pastor. I didn't know who I was talking to. The next day, some of you know our history. The, 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 the city officials were there. We, we understand you're having church here. And right away, I said, oh, that Jehovah. Ay, ay, ay. He didn't get saved. Uh, so then, God did a miracle. We were making out flyers for a thing, and somebody sees our flyers and says, hey, uh, I started talking, you don't have a place to meet, you can meet in my house. The very, that same day. So we went over there. And then afterwards, we had to move from there. Uh, and then, so we, we didn't know where to move, and I ran into Pastor Tom Quillen, and he says, hey, you can meet in our church. So I went over there, and I didn't know how long we were going to be there. He says, ah, it doesn't matter. We only met one day, one service there. The next day, we had the keys to the, a place here on, on Mission Boulevard where there's says books on the run now. That was us. Uh, and I, I'm, again, I would trip out when some of the guys from the hood would go by. I'd be out there working and they, these are dudes from the hood tattoos and they'd be going by and they'd, they'd drive by and they're, they're low riders and they'd go. <laughs> I used to trip out on that. Uh, I said, all right. Uh, they know this is not books on the run. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they were, you know, then, and some of you again know the story. I came in when we were full. Our kids had to meet in a van and in a bus for children's church. I was like grieved. Uh, but what had happened is we called Kathy Clark, who used to do the books in L.A. She took over after my wife had left. And her and our, our bookkeeper and my wife got together to get our books in order. To get our books, get everything in order. The next day, 
I had the keys to an eight-acre complex on Royal, the school. The next day, God is a God of order. And he'll bless order. He said, man, these people are good. They're putting their house in order. I'm going to move now. That's what happens when you start budgeting. In your own personal life, too. Budget. Ah, get, get things together. But start off the top with the 10%. Tell Jesus, you got this coming. Off the top, because that's what the tithe is. That's what it means. Not in the Greek, in the neighborhood. Ah, that's the, that, the slang means, God, you got it coming off the top. That's what tithing means. Ah, see, the reason God did it was to make the work of the disciples quicker, swifter, and more speedily. That's why he put them in groups. Ah, he said, put them down, because he, he knew the disciples could feed them quicker. God knew that their work would be done more speedily and swifter. See, churches that are growing are following a good structure and a good order. Uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, that's why it's important that we, we give you our tithing records and all that, because we have to have our house in order, the, the, the house of God in order. God is a God of order and structure. Then lastly, and here's the key to my message, the disciples were instructed to gather the fragments that nothing be lost. And with this, I'm going to close. Jesus told them, get all the fragments. And we know that it was 12 baskets full, that nothing would be lost. God's mind always is thinking economy. Economy. Uh, don't be wasteful. Don't just, no, no, budget. You got it for your own good and it's for everybody's own good. Uh, don't just be, oh, yeah, whatever's clever, Trevor. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you got you to gotta be frugal. You got to be, don't be wasteful. Think economy. Now, why this need to save and to store what was left? Why did Jesus do this? Wasn't he all powerful? And couldn't he perform another miracle the next time that there was a need? I mean, he did a miracle then. Hey, I could just get rid of it. Why, why, why? I don't have to do that. Hey, if he did a miracle, he'll do a miracle again. And he'll do a miracle again. He's a miracle working God. Ah. Why sweat the leftovers? See, my friend, as I said earlier, there was more to this miracle than meets the stomach. Christ was into teaching the disciples, and you and I here this morning, some key lessons here in this, in Matthew 14. God doesn't like waste. He doesn't like waste. And one of the things that Jesus is trying to say here was, for us not to waste opportunities, no matter how small or trivial we think they are. Bottom line of my sermon is right here. Don't waste your opportunities. Uh, even how small they might think they are. Even when we come time for love offerings and, and, and to give, and well, I only have a little bit. No, 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 contribute. Don't, don't, don't rob yourself of a blessing. Don't rob yourself of an opportunity for God to do a miracle in your life. Look what God did with Robert. This is his real name. Ah, but he comes from a lineage of the tribe of Arsenio and Rebecca. <laughs> the people that I was going to have testify today, and they're going to testify next week if they have no other plans. George and Sylvia. Wow, I had dinner with them yesterday. Carne asada. Uh, bad, that's good. What a powerful testimony they have. Just like many of you.
I felt like crying, but I was a pastor, so I didn't want to cry. But it, it touched me. I was so touched. Wow. If I could share just a little bit. Wow. My wife's praying, give him wisdom. <laughs> wow. They were living in the same house, but they were separated. They didn't want nothing to do with each other. A good couple. Already had their first child. He didn't know what to do. He did. It was at wit's end. And he, he, he made a turn off and he turned the wrong way, he said, on Thornton. So he went by and he, and he saw a little thing that goes like this. Barbershop. So he decided to get a haircut there. And first time you ever seen Arsenio, first time Arsenio ever saw him. Your dad led him to the Lord. God saved. Uh, and Arsenio has all kinds of people come to do his hair. Matter of fact, he's going to do mine today. Hallelujah. Uh, maybe I'm due for a miracle. Praise God. Uh, and, but that's where it started. He didn't know. Their children are blessed. Their house is blessed. And, 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 and you, you guys are headed in the right direction. Now they own their house. And it, did, it was a miracle. It was a Christian owner that carried the furs for a while and all the miracles just started happening in their house. Uh, little did they know they were ever going to help Manuel and Orlando start their church someday in Tracy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, despise not the days of small beginnings. Uh, what we call trivial, it doesn't, it's not that with God. See, as I end, what we often view as small, God can have a different attitude towards that and a different plan for wh what we call small and little. And that's the key, key principle Jesus was teaching the disciples on that day. That one of the secrets to success can come through what we see as small and insignificant. What are they among so many? She only gave two mites. What can my little tithes do? Did you know that stronger character is built? It's built on by the little things of life. That's how your character is built. Strong character is built by the little things in life. Saying no to this sin. Saying no to that sin. And it might seem a little thing, you know, that's how character is built. Be faithful in the little and it'll put you over much. Fortune often comes one dollar at a time. Uh, don't minimize the power of one dollar. It can start like that. About 50, 60 years ago, the biggest buildings in the world were the Woolworth Building in New York and the Wrigley Building in Chicago. Wrigley, what does he make? A penny a stick. Woolworth, food of the loom. It wasn't the Macy's Building. It wasn't the Chase Manhattan Building. Those buildings were built one penny, one little dollar at a time. The biggest building in the world were out of a little Woolworths. Little Wrigley Gum was the biggest building. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Uh, they were built through small sales. That's how those buildings were built. Uh, small sales, little by little. What built these buildings? The saving of small fragments.
The gathering of the small fragments. With that, and listen up here. With that here, church. The church that fails. Listen to me. Very important statement. Any church, even our church. The church that fails in meeting its budget and its financial responsibilities is not the church that has failed to enlist the big givers. No. But rather, my friend, the church that fails is the church that has failed to enlist the small givers. If you want to think big, you got to think small. The small givers. What am I saying? If you're a big giver, stop. No way! Over my life body. No. Huh? But I'm saying, those of you that don't have a whole lot yet, we need your tithes, your offerings. They're important as well. God needs them. God needs them. It's super important. It's a win-win-win situation. Uh, what we're doing when we pick up the tithes and the offerings, and all, it's no small order. It's no small order. Two small fish and two loaves of, and five loaves of bread and, and in your hands is enough to feed you. But in the hands of God, God can multiply them. No telling what he can do with your little tithes, your little offerings in the beginning. What I want to do today, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to do two things. First of all, I want to pray for those of you that, and this could be a difficult altar call, but it's okay. I'm not going to have you come to the front. I'm just going to have you stand right there because I'm going to do something right after this. But I want to pray for those of you that say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I've been struggling in the area of giving. I've been listening to the lies of the enemy. Confess that. Nothing wrong. Be, be strong. Display your character. But I want to say a prayer for those of you that say, I haven't been budgeting like I know I need to. I haven't been including God in the equation. I've been minimizing, viewing as unimportant my small contribution. But this morning I've been challenged and I don't want to do that any longer. I want to carry my weight. I don't want to run from my responsibilities. I want to look at my responsibilities and invade them, not evade them. I want to look them in the eye and come out more than a conqueror as I'm designed to be. If that's you, I want to pray for you first and foremost. I'm going to ask you, stand to your feet right there where you're at, then we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you right there where you're at. You see, the sermon was right up my freeway. Not my alley. Not my back road. Right up my freeway. And I want to be an individual that doesn't waste. That doesn't minimize even the fragments. Because God can do so much with even a little. He's done it time and again. There's nothing insignificant and trivial and minimal in the kingdom of God. Nothing. Little can, can become much. Anybody else? Many are standing, but I believe there could be others. You want to be included in this prayer. I say, I want to be wise. He that wins his souls is wise. I want to utilize my finances wisely. And I want to invest in the best, the kingdom of God, more than I've done here. 
Listen, it's a win-win situation. Win-win-win. You win. God's going to bless your life. You're putting yourself in blessings way. But this is my final appeal. You want to be included in this prayer. Say, the sermon was for me, and I want to respond in faith. Well, God will prove faithful to you, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady, boy and girl. If you haven't stood up yet, but you want to do so now, you want to be included in this prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand your feet right there where you're at that we're going to pray before we take this altar call to another level. Hallelujah. That's it. I'm going to, glad I waited. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to wait a little bit longer. The Spirit of God is moving. You know, many times I feel when there's healing, I, I, I can sense when there's miracles. Wow. There's miracles in the house. I knew that God, I, I, didn't, I didn't put it in my message, but somehow in the back of my heart, I knew. I knew there was going to be miracles. Wow. Yes. Many of you are standing. I want to pray for financial miracles. And it's a miracle just to tithe. The devil knows that. Just to tithe is a miracle. But anybody else, now, the rest of you, you need a financial miracle in your life. Stand to your feet. This is God's doing. This is God's doing. That's no karamara sanda. That's it. Karamara sanda. He's all over here. Wow. Again, many times when there's miracles in the house, when there's, but this is for finances. This is not for healings of the body or the spirit. This is for financial miracles. You need and desire and want and are expecting and looking forward and are believing for a financial miracle. You're believing for a financial miracle. Because when we pray right now, I want you to believe with me. You might not sense what I sense. But I want you to believe with me. Those of you that are standing, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me my selfishness that at times can equate into sin through my withholding and not budgeting, wasting the precious money you blessed me with. I want to invest it in your kingdom knowing that as I cast my bread upon the water it'll come back to me 30, 60, 100 fold oh dig this in due season say it again in due season because God I don't want any bills that say past due Teach me your ways to budget and in due season to get out of debt. Debt free in 2003. Debt free in 2003 with me and my family. That way, God, I can do more. Give more. 
to help build this church and to save souls throughout this planet. And then Jesus, I am believing with my pastor for a financial blessing, a financial miracle, a financial outpouring. into my life my family's life my loved one's life in Jesus name I believe in Jesus name I pray and I end and I end by saying Amen Amen